1: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm here with my co-host, Alyssa Gadesky. Alyssa, neither of us competed in the Olympics, but I'm curious, are you feeling any
2: post-Olympic depression because it is over? I, you know, that's on my list of questions I needed to ask you is like, how are you going to fill the void in this? Like, do you have any recommendations for things I can be watching because that are going to be able to match like the fulfillment of being able to watch the Olympics every night. It is that like, it's yeah. I was just like, what are we watching tonight? And Matt was like, it's the closing ceremonies. And I was like, it's over. Like I wasn't even really ready for it to be over. I thought we still had a few things left. Like, I don't know the wall climbs, like zigzag something, right? Like something weird I thought was still left and nothing Haley, nothing. It was over too soon. And I, I am looking forward to, probably a more normal bedtime again, but yeah, it's a, it's a letdown. I don't know. It
1: was, I didn't realize how bad I needed the Olympics until they happened and they were in it. And I realized I'm like, I'm crying for the winners. I'm crying for the people who didn't win. I'm crying because sports matter again. And I like, you know, and sports are a big part of my life and it's, it's been a hard time. And, you know, I am like asking myself sometimes like, ah, oh, is this, you know, is this a worthy endeavor? Um, doing what I do, being a professional athlete, hosting a professional tr- I'm calling it a professional podcast, um, professional endurance sports podcast. And, and, and I think the Olympics in that, those moments, the answer was like definitively, yes, sports do matter. And this is worth your time. And I, I needed that. I shouldn't have needed that, but I did. And so I'm very thankful for that Olympic experience that we, I, you know, we weren't sure we're going to get this year. We, we do have, um, the Paralympics coming up. We get a little bit of a break. So maybe it's like, get your, get your sleep. And then the Paralympics come, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of fast triathlon um, races coming up in the next next couple of months or so. So I'm like, huh, you know, we'll we'll hopefully get our fix.
2: Haley, did you have any thoughts after watching the women's Olympic marathon? I'm assuming you were there to watch it all happen, all play out. Um, it was such a it was one of definitely one of the highlights of watching the Olympics. So to get to see Molly Seidel win the bronze medal for team USA. um, But as someone who competed against Molly in the Olympic trials, right. In 2020, like what were your thoughts on how the race played out? Um,
1: Yeah. Well, yes, because I did run in those Olympic trials. I, I felt really invested in Molly and Alephine and Sally's races. The three women representing the United States. I, and you know, when the Olympics didn't happen, it was like, oh my goodness. And so I've definitely followed them, you know, on social media. I don't know them personally. Um, you know, they didn't stick around for 305th place <laughs> at the trials, but, um, but you know, it was a, I, I felt a little bit of camaraderie with them, of, of course. And I, on Friday morning, which was the, the women's marathon was last Friday and on Friday morning, I was at the pool and I'm asking everyone, Are you gonna watch? Are you gonna watch? And they're like, You're gonna watch the whole thing. And I was like, You're not? I'm like, it's it's only like two hours and 20 minutes or something, two hours and 30 minutes. And I'm like, no, this is like on my calendar. Like, um, uh, my phone is on do not disturb, except my phone was not on do not disturb. I had like four different text threads going, but um, but it was like definitely like I was, you know, nothing. I mean, I had my snacks, I was that was my a very big highlight of my Olympic experience, and I was. Oh, what a race! like you said, Molly Seidel, how she just stuck up there with you know the world record holder, uh Bridget Kostsky, who's run a two fourteen Paris jeturer who has run like a two seventeen and she's just like right up there with these two women, and it's her third marathon ever, which I know they said many times on the competition, <laughs> but um, you know i I don't know there's a lot there's a lot of what the Olympics is about in that race, and it was so hot and um and it was just oh i was crying for sure when she yelled coming across the line i was i was it was it was emotional for me
2: too (laughs) it was so good and Haley, i i feel like i had missed out on alphine's um beanies that she makes the resilience beanies she kind of like shut down her knitting shop before i was able to get an order in which like i could really use one of those beanies probably for the new hampshire winters i have ahead but maybe she'll reinstate it as she's like coming off of the olympics i don't know i'll keep a watch but. I did. So Molly Seidel has the full send project and she pre Olympics had been like um doing just some like ball cap hats. Um and so I did get an order in like right as she's like crossing the line. Like that was one of the first things I did and I'm like, I definitely wanna be in on this. Um I love like what she's about. I think she's just it was really fun to watch. I think she's just very like sincere and honest in a lot of what she kind of gives to the public right as those of us who, who get to watch her do these amazing things and i'm full on for supporting her with what's next and it's not very often i wear a hat other than a smash fest queen hat so i'm excited for that hopefully i haven't like gotten an update or anything on that and it seemed like a little um it seemed like the website was <laughs> she... not prepared for her. No, no oh, not sketchy necessarily, but it seemed like the website wasn't prepared for her to win an Olympic bronze medal for, like, what could oh. happen. So, um, I mean, everything worked, but I just I'll – be, I'll be interested to see if I get – I think you, like, put in your Venmo handle, and they, they like, say they'll charge you when it's, like, shipping, okay. but I'm, I'm, like, I'll see what happens. So, like, yeah, it's not, like, sketchy in that sense, but – and I'm hoping it comes through. Yeah. Um, but I did. I definitely did do that. I was really excited, and I was really excited to see prior Iron Women podcast guest Melinda Elmore come in like top ten. Right? Was she ninth, ninth or my? She was yeah. ninth. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: yeah. No. It was- Great race from Melindy. I mean, she was right up there too. And that's, I mean, that is someone who I've raced as well. Um, actually, I like, I, I remember that race in Augusta very well when she passed me on the run. So I was a little bit closer, I think, than, uh, you know, in a triathlon uh, that had a shot there. But definitely, it was, uh, you know, her story is incredible coming back after, you know, she was in the Olympics 17 years ago, then races pro triathlon for a while, then comes back and gets ninth at the Olympics in the marathon. Um, so, kind of cool to call her a uh, iron Women alum.
2: And all is not lost. So, Haley, I am um, to answer my own question, I guess that I was going to ask you. I I decided to do Apple TV for a little bit. We're going to do another season of Survivor to like keep ourselves occupied here for a little bit. And then I decided to do Apple TV so I can watch Ted Lasso season two. I don't know if you caught this first season of Ted Lasso, but I really enjoyed that. So I am excited that season two has come out now during the Olympics. And so I have that to like fill the time. But everyone keep in mind, we have the Paralympics coming up and we care about our listeners so much that we are really excited that as our preview show for the Paralympics in a couple of weeks we are going to have on um Jamie Whitmore who is going to Tokyo as we speak this week and she will be um our guest to help kind of preview and pump up the Paralympics for when when that's coming on. So we'll have all that information for everyone to cue back up the TV and the primetime viewing.
1: Yeah. And this week's guest is uh, telling us about her experience at the Olympics. It's a pretty special one. Um, probably figure that out by now who who we have on this week, silver medalist, Taylor Nib. But I, uh, Alyssa, I had one other thing I wanted to add was just, um, I've forgotten it now, but okay. Well, um, you
2: can keep thinking because I have another question for you, and I won't answer this one myself. But um, people seem to enjoy Haley. I got some good feedback from our listeners that people enjoyed your Kona Prep workout of the week last week. So I have to ask again: Can you give us your Kona Prep workout of the week?
1: I'm I'm shocked people like this, but um I. Uh, okay so i put a little bit more thought into it this week and i did a track workout this weekend which i don't go to the track super often um but i i love the track as as a place where you can kind of run unencumbered (laughs) you know like especially this time of year in montana um you know it is like either you're not gonna there's, you don't have to stop. There's no stop signs. There's no cars. Hopefully, um, you know, if you go to certain, hopefully you can time it where there aren't a lot of other people and it's just flat too. Um, which around here, you know, I run on a lot of different surfaces, And so it just gives me a good chance to like work on foot speed and kind of just, just work on speed work. Um, and it's not the treadmill, you get to go outside. And so I did a track workout and, um, and I think this is one that could, people could like, scale, you know, or like easily do like do your own paces. But I am, um, I think it's pretty reasonable. Um, So are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Yeah, so ready. I, I did twice through everything, twice through all of this, but first I started with three 200s and these, the paces I was trying to hold around 42 or 43 seconds, which is, I would call it comfortably hard. You know, like I, it's not my all out, which I, I probably never run all out. Um, cause I don't want to hurt myself. And, um, but it's like, it's a pace that is challenging. Like I have to be focused to run 42 second, 200. I have to be pretty focused. I'm focused on my form, my breathing, um, you know, relaxing my shoulders, that kind of thing, just really good foot speed. Um, so I did three 200s and then I followed it up with a four hundred where I was trying to hold between 123, 125, which is, that's, that's pushing it. That's pretty hard. Um, so pretty similar to what I was holding on the 200s and then an 800, where I was trying to hold 257, 259, just under three minutes for an 800. So again, like it's a strong effort. Like I would say it's a strong effort. And in between each of them, this is the best part. I like to walk hundred meters and then jog easy for hundred meters. So the walking, walking is my favorite sport, actually not race walking, slow walking. Um, I, I love walking. And so I love recovery. And so like in between all of those, so it's like a 200 hard and then a hundred meter walk, hundred meter easy, you know, like that kind of thing. So lots of recovery. So, I mean, I mean, not a lot, but enough, get your heart rate down so that each one is like a sharp, clean, good technique, good effort. And, um, yeah. Did that make sense?
2: Yeah. I like it. I, uh, have been writing it down so that once I, whenever I decide to start exercising again, maybe I'll add that to I'll just jump right into the cone of prep workouts. I'm sure that'll turn out really, really good for me. Um, but the walking recovery, I do like, I I'm, I'm like a master of the easy jog, like the, did you, do you remember that? I think it was like an Instagram challenge where like the pro runners were doing like, how slow can you run like yeah. a mile? Like, do you remember what was that one? Like like yeah, right? It
1: was like 36 minutes. like like a 36 <laughs> minute mile.
2: Yeah. I was going to, okay. I'm glad you remember that too, because I was going to say it was her that I like vividly remember doing this and it was it like super impressive. Painful. Like, yeah, it painful
1: to like, you're like, she was like jogging, but like taking very, barely very, very... Bar- like
2: one inch at a time so that's like i i feel like i'm pretty maybe i could give molly a run for her money in that a competition i can give that a try these days but um walking recovery i think is good too and it like it'll allow you to keep moving like i like the flow of it so you don't have to like stand and then like wait but you can like keep the flow your momentum and inertia going through the track walk and then like once you start to feel recovered kind of start to wind yourself back up to that easy jog so i like that and I I like the yeah the symmetry of it feels right three two the four and an eight nothing nothing that seems like it's like too overwhelming but I can see how you're gonna get some good work in with that so I approve I approve check Thanks. of Haley's kind of prep work out of the week good job and Matthew, it's also for giving her a good one yeah I think it's also <laughs> just a reminder that not
1: when you're training for Ironman. It's not about everything being super long and super hard. I mean, I did do like I usually do around a 20-minute warm-up and then probably like a 15-minute cool down like I jog over to the track kind of thing. Um which is, you know, very convenient for me, but I would say, you know, that is something that I encourage athletes like consistency is more important than like single really big sessions, even single really fast sessions. Like being being consistent, like being able to do that and then also you know, do another session later in the day or be ready to go again the next day. Like that's it. So even though you might feel really good and you're like, oh, this isn't that long, like keep it at two, keep it at two rounds. It's enough. You know, just enough to get your get your speed going and then, you know, go refuel. So you're ready for the next one.
2: Well, Haley, I this would be where we would normally answer some mailbag questions, but our mailbag is looking a little light these days. So as a reminder to our listeners, you can send in mailbag questions to Podcast at gmail.com, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions about training, racing, triathlon, life, running, cycling, hiking, mountains, anything. That's a relationship.
1: We'll- yeah, relationship. I guess that's, that falls under life.
2: Yeah. We like all the all the topics. So send them in, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And Alyssa, on the housekeeping um, train of thought, we wanted to – you know, give a shout out and a thank you to Inside Tracker, one of our podcast sponsors. Inside Tracker has been a podcast sponsor for a while now. And I know you've had really good results like with using them. Uh, You know, you, you found out good information about vitamin D levels and just ways to help prepare for your races and be at your best. Um, you got your, that inner age, um, which is my favorite. <laughs> That's the, I'm, there's a reason why Haley has not done the inner age test. So maybe we should like put out a, like, if anyone, when people do the inner age test, like who is, are you
2: older or younger than Alyssa? Because <laughs> Haley's afraid to do it, but maybe one of these days I will. <laughs> I don't want to know. The best part of it, Haley, is that you just never even have to tell me if you don't, like, you can just be like, oh, they didn't give me that result. I don't know what happened in the, in the mail. I must have gotten lost in the chromosomes. But um, yes, I did definitely, I use Inside Tracker. I find it very valuable to get quick and like, an, it's quick and easy way to get some answers when you don't have time or you're moving or whatever else. And you can't get to the doctor for like a full, um, you know, Chebang on your your health checkup, and you you're like, man, I just need to check iron, vitamin D, some other things, make sure everything's running smoothly as I'm starting my Kona build, or starting my Ironman build, or in the middle of Ironman build. All of that t- is a good time to do it. So. You can head to tracker.com forward slash ironwomen for that 25% off discount. And that helps support them, it helps support us, and we really appreciate it. What was your inner age, Alyssa? It was like 33, right? It was pretty young. I think it was 31.5. 31. 5. Oh, 31. Was okay. 5. Yeah, I thought it was 31.5, but I I'll, can't remember. Um, oh, it might have been that. Yeah, double, I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember. <laughs> Again,
1: I was just. Like- I was really hoping
2: for something in the 20s, if I'm being honest. But so. Seeing the 30-something, I was like, oh, I am. But I am inching closer to 40 these days than 30, so. Me too. But I
1: I hear from people 40 is great and 50 is even better. So maybe we can all aspire for an inner age. I know an octogenarian. Um, we okay. the inner
2: age of our guest that we have on today because she's an inner age and outer age and you absolutely can feel it in her enthusiasm and everything that she's doing these days.
1: This is a high energy interview today. We were talking to, as I kind of previewed earlier, Taylor nib, the silver medalist in the mixed team relay at the Tokyo Olympics. She, she just won that silver. So she raced the individual race. Uh, she finished 16th in that. Then she raced the mixed team relay and you a team USA, they won silver. And then she flew right back to the United States and hopped into her first ever 70.3 at Boulder, 70.3, a sensational race there. She was first on the water, first off the bike, finished second in a very close finish on the run there. Um, so we asked Taylor, we asked Taylor about the Olympics because we really wanted to hear about them. We asked her about, the mixed team relay, what it was like to win a silver medal. We asked her about why and when she decided to race Boulder. And, uh, we have a preview on what she has coming up next. And, uh, just a little hint. She is not, she's just getting started. (laughs) Like she, she's not, there's a, there is no rest on the horizon for Taylor nib. And we're excited about it because watching her race is so much fun. So we'll have that conversation with Taylor right after the break.
2: Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on
1: staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days.
2: My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer and I am always carrying Noon Instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. Alyssa,
1: I'm with you, and I'm using Noon Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the big island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that
2: we can get. You can get your own Noon Instant, Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at noonlife.com and use the code LIVEFEISTY for 30% off. That's noonlife.com with code LIVEFEISTY, capital L, and capital F. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I am always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's race relief cold therapy
1: muscle gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Xelios Sun Barrier, Race Relief, Shower Products, and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at com. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast, Olympic silver medalist, Taylor Nib. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me again. Yes, having you back. You were just here a few weeks ago or months ago, I guess, talking about Yokohama, but now you've made your Olympic debut. It happened only two weeks ago from when we're recording right now, but a lot has happened in that short amount of time. So we want to cover it all, but we're going to go back to that first start with that first race in Tokyo, which was the women's individual triathlon. It was a 1500 meter swim, 40k bike, 10k run. You finished 16th. So can you tell us about your day? So I'm not psyched with it. I will be full,
0: like full disclosure. Um, but like, just in retrospect, I want to learn the most I can from the experience in the race. And so that's how I'm viewing it. My swim was not great. Um, the bike, I did what I could. And then the run actually surprised me. So I'll take that as a win. Um, but it, it was a good race, good experience, but not great by any means.
1: And I watched that race, um, I mean, on TV live. It was amazing. They did a really good job with the coverage. And it looked like the water was really warm. I mean, I think they were saying mid-80s. Is that right? They said it was
0: 28 degrees Celsius. So I didn't even do the conversion because I just don't want to know. It's kind of like I'll sometimes run easy runs with kilometer pace. So then I just, I don't know. I know that four minutes is about 623 minutes per mile and five minutes is about eight minutes, but nothing in between. So
1: (laughs) Same with Celsius and Fahrenheit. I just sometimes don't convert. I like that tactic. Did you do anything different, uh, like going into the race, knowing that the water was that warm, knowing that it was probably going to be a pretty warm day? We did some heat
0: acclimation training. I I think my coach blended it in well enough that I wasn't really sure, always sure what what was heat acclimation training. Um, We swim in our wetsuits sometimes in the pool, which is always fun, but um you have to do what you have to do. We did spend a lot of time in the sauna, which a lot of girls were complaining about beforehand because we did not need our ice vests the morning of the race. The water actually felt nice because it was cold outside. And we feel like I spent so much time in my the sauna and it didn't pay off. But uh, that's what you have to do. You have to be ready for any condition, any race. And so I would personally rather be prepared than not. And so that was just what it was for some people
2: and what about the rain that that was happening that was like one of the focal points especially like while we were watching the coverage was like you know how the rain affected the bike leg we could see like the blue carpeting on part of the course and stuff and it looked like people were extra careful there was it like particularly difficult around the technical sections of the course with the wetness or did that not play into it as much as maybe the announcers were kind of acting like it could have
0: Well, so I came out very far back on the swim and the first lap of the bike, I saw someone down most of the like significant turns. There are 18 turns. There were not 18 like spaces, spots. Some were nicer than others, Um, but it was like girl down, girl down, girl down, girl down that, or that's what it felt like. And so that's just like, for someone going through that, that's a little bit of a warning sign. And so I wasn't going to risk it at all because I knew I'm already far back. I can't. (laughs) Before to lose even more time. And I'm not going to take that kind of
1: gamble, but, um, it was, it was as safe as it could be. And that's just part of riding in the rain. Did it get warm on the run? Because I think, you know, the rain stopped and then it was looked like it was just very humid. And then I think that you were allowed to like grab things from even like anyone on the side. We saw some women grabbing like ice packs. It looked like, is that how it was? Well, so in this race, there was actually a special
0: aid station that your coach, like, a, so one person from each national federation was allowed to hand you stuff, kind of like a special needs on an Ironman race, just you had it each per lap, and they, it was also, like, prepped and ready to go for you versus, like, having to dig through a bag. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how it works in Ironman, um, but, yes, it was just, like, handed directly, and I had provided things before the race that I wanted, and that's what everyone had to do. It's optional, though. Um, also, the entire race is littering zone. It kind of sounds Silly, but (laughs) it was really helpful because you could hang on to anything for as long as you needed and then just toss it. So um, it was human, but it was it wasn't anything record breaking. So it was nice.
2: And what about the spectator situation? Because obviously there was a massive lack of spectatorship across all of the Olympic events this year. And so like, did you, did that even really cross your mind in the heat of the moment with the race or were you just like so focused on the race? It was like everything else was a blur regardless of how big the cheers coming in were. Yeah. I think I'm not the person to ask. I
0: don't hear like anyone. There's like certain people that I know I can hear in a race and otherwise everything like is just kind of white noise or I won't even hear it. Um, so I didn't really notice it particularly. I actually, there were more tiers than I was expecting. Like there were more people that I would like see along the course, but otherwise, it wasn't really a factor. It is what it is. The hardest thing, well, not this is. This sounds very um, one of the harder aspects was watching the games actually in Tokyo, because we only had access, or I unless you bought something, you could only have access like on the TVs in your rooms, and there were no commentators because like everyone's watching this so like and from all different countries like just watching the events without spectators without commentary I think that was like the spot where there was a little gap and I noticed it more but in our racing, I don't think it was any different we've been training someone I think someone on the bus to one race said like we've been training for this for years I mean if you've ever raced WTCS Abu Dhabi you there are no spectators so
1: <laughs> this is even a little step up. And Taylor, you were the third American woman to finish that individual race in Tokyo. Katie Zavaris won the bronze medal. Summer Rappaport finished just ahead of you in 14th. So when did you find out that you and Katie would be the two women who would join the two American men on the mixed relay team?
0: Yeah, so I'm. it was It was after the race sometime. We're not supposed to like say a lot of that's confidential. So I couldn't tell anyone, um, or at least that's how I interpreted confidential meaning. So I asked, I learned from... Or high performance general manager and then I asked him can you please tell my coach because like I just I don't want to reach that um but like I didn't tell my parents or anything and so then because I'm I'm just not I'm not going to break the rules <laughs> and they were very mad at me in retrospect, because <laughs> they're like oh we learned two hours out that you're racing and I'm like well I don't want to like it's that's what we had to do that was the tactic that was played um and so I wasn't gonna say anything or do anything differently but um so
1: I guess that was, I guess how I figured it out. So you knew, but it wasn't public. Like your parents had no idea. They didn't know they needed to like cancel their Friday afternoon plans. I know and like order watching. the big heads
2: back again, get the watch party invitations out again, like all of that stuff.
1: No. Yeah.
0: I don't think they're those kind of people, Um, but it's, I appreciate them watching, but I, I've told them every time I'm like, you don't need to watch. Like I don't, need you to watch if you watch great but if you don't great like i don't this is what i do with no pressure
2: oh i would be like i have to basically like yeah really set my mom up my mom like really wants to watch but she like can't figure out how a lot of the time so um it's like a a different kind of problem we have going on there um and taylor you had about five days then between the individual triathlon and the mixed relay so it sounds like you knew like You know, with some time to be able to adjust training and recovery, and not just like shut things down and and be like, okay, I'm done, right? So, what was that training and life like then, other than keeping the secrets from everyone else about the fact that you would still be racing? So, what was it like in those days between the events?
0: Well, even in between the time when like I finished the individual race and I found out, the aim was always to for everyone to prepare and be ready. Um, The issue was that to to insert a reserve it would have been like, I think 18 to 24 hour process. I might be completely wrong on that, but they, it, like, it would have taken a while. So like use the three women to our advantage. Like if someone woke up sick or something like that, like you want to be ready regardless. Um, So that was always the aim. And then if I got to race great, if not great, I respect that too. Um, And so the training was very much just like flushing out the race and moving on to preparing, but just not doing too much or too little.
1: It's like, That's why I just follow what my coach writes and (laughs) continue on. Was the training done indoors because of COVID precautions? Were you able to get outside or, you know, what kind of precautions were in place?
0: So we were actually able to run around the village, which was very nice. And then when the, so the first, when we started, we were at the village originally, it was only triathletes who were running and then all the track athletes came and the, one of the last is a marathoners. Like we're in for like the village for maybe like twelve or twenty-four hours. So it's like first it's all the triathletes running, and so those are people that like I'll see it this weekend or next weekend. And it's just normal. And then you have like all these really, really good runners. And it's a little, in, or it was intimidating for me, but <laughs> it was. So yes, we got to run outside, and I was grateful for that too. Um, and then we just rode on trainers and or at the preview because there were a few previews for the races and then we had actually um us team usa has a high performance center so we would drive about 45 minutes on a bus and we had like pretty much a whole 50 meter pool to ourselves we would share it with open water who raced in the same bay right after us um but otherwise the swim team had already like moved to the competition pool and so we had the pool almost all to ourselves
2: and you went third on the relay and you had a tremendous bike leg, Taylor, putting the U.S. in second position and even making up some time on Great Britain. So was that kind of like your race plan tactically going into the day?
0: Yes. And that's why I was where I was to take advantage of that. It's harder. Like when when the race is all spread out, it's easier to do that. I am disappointed that I lost as much time as I did on the swim. Um, and so then by then, I think France was kind of back in the race and I knew that was just not a good option for me. Um, and so I had to, I didn't even look back. I was just like, I gotta go and then (laughs) get as much time as possible.
1: And so what did it feel like when you watched Morgan Pearson come across the line, USA clinching second place, and you know, you're going home with a silver medal. What was going through your head? Well, it's fantastic. I'm not sure what's not going through my head in
0: some respects. Um, what wasn't, I do know is, um, i did not think to call anyone, but because then afterwards, I'm not sure if it's aired, but they I like, had like we there were like, interviews after, and one of the questions I got was, "Oh, have you called anyone? Like, who is no? Who was the first person you called after winning it the medal?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, you will not like this answer, but I haven't called anyone yet." Um, and so and that was like four hours later, but like it, there are steps you have to do in between. It does it's not just like sitting around time. It's kind of you're moving from one thing to the next. Um. So, but I, so I know more what I wasn't thinking than I was, but I was just very excited.
2: And you're able to completely be in the moment and not have other things distracting you. You're able to take it all in and all of that good stuff, you know, finish line celebrations to the, whatever happens four hours later with (laughs) interviews and everything else. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but Taylor one thing we noticed was that you must have wasted no time leaving Tokyo because you were back in Boulder and shocked us all by being there to race your first ever 70.3 in Boulder just one week after winning that Olympic medal in Tokyo so was that always your pre-race plan like or pre-Olympics plan I guess to head back to Boulder and try and fit that in Not at all. Um, I think it was brought up as a possibility
0: because so this year, and I can say this as a goal because I I can't do it. Um, I was, my goal was to race at U23 Worlds and the grand final, because when the initial schedule came out for Edmonton, um, they were on two different days and I would have had like more than 24 hours approximately. And so then I would have been allowed to do both. And I didn't really want to pick between the two. So i like, it's my last year's U23 and I wanted to race the grand final. So it was actually good order, but I couldn't, but now they've moved and moved to one day. But with when that was a plan and that was a possibility, my coach had thrown this out there, like, regardless of whether I made it to Tokyo or not, just as prep for that double and like, do the full, do a half at home, sleep in your own bed. Like I live in Boulder, so it's no extra travel for me. Um, and then when I learned about the series and how like Montreal would count, and Edmonton, and so like, I should do both. I'm like, okay, no boulder. But then I learned that in Montreal, and I'm on day one of this, (laughs) you have to stay in your hotel room for three days. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not gonna be running any of these days anyway. And yesterday was a travel day for me. So it's actually kind of four days, I could do a little bit of things. But um, I'm like, we'll take advantage of the opportunity of being able to race, being able to race in the United States, but also like at home, really at home for me. And now and then also because I'm going into this quarantine, like get a good training session in and like some to get some stimulus, but then be ready for the rest um, and be okay with the rest, which is sometimes harder for me. And also after Yokohama, I made the mistake of getting back into training too soon. And I didn't want to do that, even knowing the quarantine was coming up soon. So it was it had a lot of purposes behind besides the race, (laughs) I'm sure people can judge away, but it's what my coach and I thought was best. And we got approval from USA triathlon because it's unprecedented times unprecedented situations. Um, and so I was grateful for the opportunity to
2: race. I just know I saw started seeing like the headlines popping up with like your name. And I was like, I hadn't been honestly paying too close of attention to the race. And I was like, wait a second. And I'm like clicking on links and I'm like looking at dates and I'm like cross-referencing all the, and I'm like, surely they like did that. Like this is incorrect. And I'm, I, yeah, it was, it was like a pleasant surprise. I have to say, I think it's great that you, you managed to do that. Well, and I had made him like a conscious effort not to
0: do any races before, like in the Tokyo buildup. And I wasn't sure. Like in retrospect, I'm not sure how smart of a decision that is. I love racing. Um, and I have still a lot to work on and a lot to learn. So, cause I also didn't race at all in 2020. So it, like, I feel like just having opportunities and I need to take advantage of them. And like, I would see each of the local Boulder races go off, like, in especially the Boulder peak. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was racing, but I can't. So, um, so after it was a great opportunity, and I've also been kind of dying to do that distance for a while, like just to see, because I'm I'm intrigued, but I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to see if it was like rightful intrigue. And I, I loved the race, but I will not be focusing on that for a while. So don't worry. <laughs>
1: uh uh-huh. I mean, at leads us in because we want to make sure our listeners know in case they missed it. This was your first ever 70.3. You were in a field full of 70.3 champions. You led out of the water. You had more than a minute lead off the bike. And then you had a thrilling battle on the run. You finished second. So, and and you did mention that you'd been wanting to race a half Ironman for a while. So was the, was the whole experience what you expected? It sounded, it sounded, I mean, it looked like you were very ready for it. Oh, I know I was not ready for it. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) That's the thing. I was like, by the time I got to like, I think it was like mile 45 of the bike. I'm like, oh, I want off of this bike. Um, But the nice thing is that like I had nothing to compare to. So I was just racing and I didn't even have, I didn't even have power zones on the bike because my coach is like, we haven't really done anything like efforts this long in a very long time, like maybe January, but I hope my power numbers are different from January. And so like, I didn't have power numbers and like, this is, and I'm the kind of person who like, I like my workouts like defined and like, I need the numbers. <laughs> and so I was scared, but it was just like an opportunity to learn and see how I responded to certain changes and, um, and also work on nutrition. I did not do well in Yokohama. I did a little better in Tokyo, but like the fear factor, I think really helps me test things out and execute.
2: And Taylor, it looked like you were riding the same road bike with your short aero bars attached that you race in Tokyo. And for our listeners who aren't familiar, in Tokyo, you raced much shorter distances and more technical courses and you're allowed to draft, so the road bike is the best possible setup. But the course in Boulder is much longer and drafting is not allowed, so most professional athletes ride time trial bikes with longer aero bars, more aerodynamic geometry, all that good stuff. So was the road bike just the bike you had available, like flying home, that was the one you trusted to be like good for race day? Yeah. So
0: I do not own a time trial bike. So that wasn't really an option even for me, which I think made it easier. But even I talked to some people um, who were like, oh, we can get you a time trial bike or someone could lend you one. And then like the consensus is the fact that I spent so much time on the road bike. I know the road bike um, or that specific bike. I know the position and I don't want, while I wanted to race, I didn't want to injure myself or do anything that would have negative repercussions. And the 56 miles is a little unknown, but we'll do workouts that like still have, I'll ride longer than that. And we'll have workouts with a fair amount of volume. So I kind of knew that I could come off of it and run versus like, I don't know geometrically, like hip wise, how it would have affected me. So I knew that both for in the race itself, it was the safest option. um, And also more importantly, coming off of it because I was not allowed to (laughs) wreck myself in terms of like not being able to race this weekend or the next weekend
1: and so you mentioned not did were you you mentioned not targeting a certain power but were you using a power meter did you could you see what your power was and you had an idea of what you were targeting well yes I see it
0: um but I do this bike is relatively new and I know it's a little different from my other power meter so like I just like read it more as I even use it in my like short course racing as a baseline to make sure I'm not like dropping off. That's more like, I don't look at the numbers themselves as like values and having a lot of like positive or negative connotations. I just view it as, okay, what am I riding at like comfortably or whatever's supposed to be comfortable quote unquote for the race? Cause ideally it's never comfortable. Um, and then deal and then just make sure I'm not dropping off too much and I was actually working more on looking at speed which that's probably a rookie move I mean I learned that taping your gels is not the thing you do but I didn't know that there was like a fancy (laughs) I don't know I still don't know are you supposed to have like a fancy like bento box
2: um
1: (laughs) (laughs) whatever you were doing was right so do not let anyone tell you you're doing it wrong (laughs) (laughs) yes and you can send them my way (laughs) give you any grief (laughs) people are like that's such a rookie mistake and I'm like I I don't know why that's what
2: I always do um so that was what it was (laughs) no I think I think people definitely still tape gels and yeah do whatever works and I mean yeah if you if you make it to the Olympics you are literally allowed to do whatever you want when you're racing so in terms of that stuff so I think you can you can tell any haters that too but um speaking of gels racing a 70.3 distance is quite a bit longer than racing Olympic distance. And so, you know, did you talk to your coach ahead of time about a nutrition plan for the race? Like how did you approach the nutrition for the longer distance?
0: Oh, definitely. I set out a plan and um, I even had like extra gels, like just in case. And I took two gels before the start, which I don't, like I I just like, I made sure to like bump everything as much as possible because also in terms of also I was racing at altitude and I kind of know how that affects me. Um, and I wanted to come off of the race well, so it was both like, not only in the race, but dealing with that and working on something that I need to work on. So uh, I did have a plan and I followed it mostly. I had forgotten about a downhill on the course when I was supposed to take one of them. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to bump this about three miles later, but otherwise I followed it. Um, the run, I also modified, but that was (laughs) so, but I only took three when I was supposed to take four. So, um, but otherwise, and my coach had said beforehand that I would not like sweet foods by the end of the race. And I can agree. It was very much like, I do not want any more sugar. Like I can't stand this, but I was, I I wasn't expecting that like little things that you don't think of before the race. Like, oh, I won't want anything sweet for the next like three days. (laughs) I didn't know that came with part of racing long course.
1: Yes, you need some chips or French fries. Uh, Taylor, you swam and ran at Cornell University. We talked about this a couple months ago, but I'm curious about this cycling prowess. Like, does it the cycling just come naturally to you? Well, I'm not sure naturally or not. Like, because
0: I do put in a lot of work, and I love it. Like, I love the feedback. I'm, I love power zones. I love looking at watts, and so like I know that that's very clear and prescribed. And I spend a lot of time on the indoor trainer. I love the indoor trainer. Um, So I'm not sure, but I, and I also, I've probably been the best with cycling in terms of being good about taking breaks and taking time off. So I'm always excited to come back to it. And I feel like that's been something that we haven't really, I've never really focused so, so so much on. It's always been building up my run and building up my swim and making sure they're where they need to be. Um, So I hope that answers your question, but (laughs) It's like I know I definitely do a lot and work hard, but I'm not sure how much, like it, it hasn't really been, or my coaches haven't told me it's a focus, which that might be the other thing. It may have been a focus and just like thrown in the background without me noting. Knowing. They do that sometimes because they know that's better for me. Like just don't say anything. Say we're focusing on the run and then throw a huge swim block in there.
2: It sounds like you do a pretty good job of like just having a coach that you really trust and like going with what they kind of prescribed to you and buying into that a hundred percent do you think that's part of why you're successful and able to kind of hop into something like a 70.3 and just take what they tell you and trust in it to execute oh definitely now
0: yes there's and I know that like if I want to modify a workout that's always a bad sign to me in that I'm not like fully trusting everything and believing in both what I'm doing and having like that's how I build confidence as an athlete um but actually going into the race like my coach knew that it could go any way. He's like, we don't know what'll happen. So just like be open to that. But hearing him say that to me, that also like it's liberating. Like there was no pressure. And to come from an environment where there was a lot more, probably not as much for me as for other people, but it was just like, it shows how much the mental side can play in, I guess that was if, if anyone can learn anything. Um, And the, but like, it was so fun to not have any pressure, not have any expectations and know that both like people like both internally and externally, which I need to be better about externally, but internally, at least it was nice.
1: So on that run, you had a very close finish with Jeannie Metzler, who I think you two actually train together sometimes in Boulder. And there was one point on the run when Jeannie passed you and you actually came back and repassed her and ended up finishing, I think about 10 seconds ahead. So first, is this, was this your first ever half marathon? That you've ever done or have you run a half marathon before so in terms of racing
0: or training because so like in like a race I've only done two but one I, I did my first half marathon when I was in seventh grade I think I was seventh or eighth grade it was the Charlottesville half marathon and oh. <laughs> I wanted to I decided like we were probably a mile from the finish and I'm like and it was downhill and we had it was like really close but I'm like okay, now I want to break two hours. And my mom's like, oh, and like, apparently I just like kind of took off. And my, cause my mom was running with me the whole race. Like that was like one of my goals for the year. And I was like trying to take it off. And then my brother set the same goal for the next year and he beat my time. So then I had to do another one, which I think he beat my time again. Um, so that was, he's younger by two years. So that was frustrating. Um, but also like, but in training then I'll sometimes have a longer run, um, not really any more, cause we do workouts. For our long runs, and so we'll only get up to about like twenty k. We probably won't get up to twenty one point one k, but
1: but so At i run the distance. So you you had some experience, <laughs> but I I was curious. I mean, you have this ITU experience or you know World Triathlon Series experience where you are used to close finishes. And was that the kind of thing you were thinking about when you made that repass? Because that isn't something we see a lot in longer distance racing. Once someone gets past, they don't usually come back. Well, yeah, well, so I,
0: so I knew kind of two things, which, um, probably helped me, but I was, so first of all, I was not expecting to come back on Jeannie. I mean, I've done run workouts with Jeannie and I know that like her, one of her biggest strengths and especially relative to me is that she has so much strength at the end. So like, we'll do workouts and like by the last rep, it's like, okay, bye Jeannie. If I've hung on to that long and she'll normally have more after me, um, but so I had to go to the bathroom when I was passing Tom Watson Park going out, and so I kindly asked the camera people to like turn it away from me. So hopefully it did. um I'm not sure if you're allowed to ask that kind of stuff, but um. But so then like I pull down my top because I had a sports bra on, and I'm like, okay, where's the porta potty? And <laughs> it took a long time to get to one. But so then I went to the bathroom. It took 33 seconds. But then Jeannie, but I Jeannie didn't see that I'd gone to the bathroom. So at the turnaround. I think I had like 20 something seconds on her when I had had a minute on her at the other turnaround, like just probably four miles prior. But if you think about it, I lost 33 seconds of that minute-ish in the porta potty but she didn't know that. So she probably thought that she was making it more time than she did. And so, and she caught me within like two, two and a half K of that turnaround. So that means that she was running 10 plus seconds, I'm guessing per kilometer faster than me. Um, so I also don't know what she went through to get to me. And if that was just like, if she had had a more consistent effort up to me over the last 5k, if that would have helped her, um, because she didn't know that she had eaten so much time because I'd gotten off course. So or like stepped in poor body. So I don't know, like there are a number of factors. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, have, I still haven't talked to her about it. I don't <laughs> And so I feel bad. Um, but also like that's the point of, that my coach kind of gave the green light to go race. So that's where like I got to have fun and race.
2: I love it. And I love that we like are the type of people that time our bathroom stops <laughs> and are like paying attention to that sort of thing. I can definitely relate. So not so much as going for like the top spot in a 70.3, but just in general with racing, you know, you pull off and you're like, okay, let's make this quick. But um taylor at the finish line you said you did not plan to take the qualification slot to the 70.3 world championships next month but what about the collins cup that race is happening in slovakia at the end of this month and will feature a huge prize purse if you got a wild card spot on team usa would you take it i admit i haven't looked up you mentioned some of the other like wts racing and stuff like that so i haven't you know looked up the whole calendar to see how that could fit in with this
0: no, no, no. Because they're gonna. I think they're gonna announce them Tuesday, and I've accepted. So I've accepted an automatic. or no, not an automatic. I've, I've accepted a wild card spot for the Collins Cup, and I probably will not be fully prepared because I'm racing Montreal this weekend, Edmonton next weekend, and then the Collins Cup. Um, but I we learned that it's a it's a great opportunity, and I know that it's special for the sport, and so I couldn't pass it up. But
1: so we'll see what happens. When five I get weekends it. in a or like six weekends in a row, if you count the Olympic two Olympic races. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so if if you count those two races, it's actually six races <laughs> in
0: 32 days. Um, yeah. But it comes off of like, it comes off of a huge consistent block. And then I'm ready to get back into more like base training after it. So we'll see um talk to me on August 28th after the race and it- <laughs> <laughs> And
2: you're young you can you can do it. I believe in you for this one Taylor. I I'm I'm behind you. <laughs> well, we'll see and I'm excited. And so if I learned anything from Boulder
0: it's like if you're excited to race I think or at least for me if I'm excited to race that's so much better and that's that's just fun. So <laughs> anything can happen in a race it is a race but i will be racing on my road bike again because i do not have a time trial bike and i don't want to even like mess around with that i just like i know my bike i know how it works i know how to put it together so (laughs) and that's what i have with me and i've now left boulder and i won't be going back until after the races.
1: I am so excited. This oh this is gonna be so much fun. I mean the Collins Cup was already gonna be fun, but uh, you know, we're Team USA too, so we're glad to have another another strong strong, uh, horse in the race, but you've mentioned your mom a few times and I think triathlete magazine, Sarah Wassner Flynn, she recently did a really nice profile on you and your mom, Leslie nib. And while you were racing in Boulder, I believe your mom was racing the Olympic distance triathlon at USAT age group nationals in Milwaukee. She finished eighth in her age group in the Olympic and apparently frequent weight frequent racing is it must run in the family because she followed up with a second place in the sprint the next day so have you even been able to see your mom and celebrate since you were back from Tokyo so actually my mom stayed in Boulder while I was in Tokyo and
0: she picked me up afterwards so um it was very nice I got to see her for a few days but yes she did race both races she's Not excited with the Olympic distance race, but she's like happier with the sprint and as any race um, can be, it was a learning opportunity for her. And so she's excited to take away things from the weekend in her, she's going to be racing Kona, hopefully this um, in October. And so like, it's, it's fun to have it in the family because she kind of gets it. And it's also, so I enjoy it and I'm happy that she races and I hope she continues
1: to. Do you two get to like trade notes when you're racing on the same day? Do you call each other up afterwards and talk about how your days went? We did. Um, she
0: was a little, she was very nervous for me racing a half. She's like, because she doesn't know what I do in terms of training. So um, she's like, she was very, very nervous making sure I knew to eat and drink and do everything important. Um, she was a little surprised though. Because like that's but um but so I'm grateful for the advice she gives and we actually we had dinner with someone and like I wasn't really taking her advice and so the this person is one of my coaches and this person like posed the question she's like so Leslie that's my mom she's like if you were to give advice to Taylor how would what advice do you have? Cause I really, I didn't, I was like, I want to focus on what I want to do and like the goals I have for the race in terms of processes. And I don't want to hear all this extra stuff. Um, but so I heard it and it was helpful. So thank you. Can
1: you share? <laughs> what was it? This is like oh, secret and... NIB family lore or something <laughs> here. There has to be something going on in this family. <laughs> no, I think it's more though. It's just like, it's, I feel like what I've been surrounded
0: with, like that's what I perceive as quote unquote normal. And so even having the idea to like race the grand, both U 23 worlds in the grand final, which I can't do, like that was just normal. Cause like my mom's done this double at age group nationals since 2013 with some breaks in there. But like I was dying when I was a 15 year old to race the Olympic distance at age group nationals, which I'm not allowed to, I wasn't allowed to back then. Um, so I guess just just my perception of normal is probably not normal. Um, but thanks to my mom, that's what I know.
2: And what about with all of this travel in between the racing, it's going to be like short little, you know, the hop skips and jumps around to get to each race and and make sure you're rested and ready, different time zones, all of that. Do you have like a routine for jet lag or any like tips or tricks for our listeners to kind of manage that as you're bouncing around the world? (laughs) Well, so I would
0: not recommend what I do because I just if you if you've ever jumped in the pool with me for warm up um, I have a reputation just kind of like going because I kind of like just want to like shock myself and, and and also I grew up with a swim club where sometimes we get intervals but like I'm okay with like just like going fast off the bat and I'm, I'm learning I'm learning to tone things down from the start and just kind of like ease into it and gradually like let my body deal with it but I'm just like if it's just really uncomfortable for two or three minutes like I can just like keep moving on so that's the kind of the strategy I have with jet lag and then I just like to shock myself into it um but just like get on the schedule as soon as possible but like for when I travel I have and when I come home more importantly I have a rule that like I have to fully unpack and fully like be especially if I'm staying in the location for a few days within 24 hours and so then it starts to feel more like home in a way and less like I'm traveling because it's not like oh I'm still like pulling things out of the suitcase that's like just little things for me help um eating meals on time and that's about it it's not I also I sleep a lot and I can sleep a lot and so I take advantage of that um I just woke up from a nap
1: that was probably three and a half hours so (laughs) I'm sorry if I'm very groggy (laughs) You are not groggy at all. And thank you for uh, fitting us in. But I mean, I, that is, I'm glad you are getting some rest. Like I'm actually very, yeah. very happy to hear that you just took that nap. Um, <laughs> and this race in Montreal, it features a new format for the WTS circuit. It's the Eliminator. So over two days, you'll race up to four super sprint distance triathlons, each made up of a, do I have that right? Yeah, it's actually up to five. If up to you five. It wrong <laughs> Oh goodness. So a 300 meter <laughs> swim, 7.2 <laughs> kilometer bike and two kilometer run. So and it, like you, you just, after each race, a few athletes will be eliminated. Some will advance to the next round. We have Tokyo gold medalist, Flor Duffy expected to compete as well as your team USA relay teammate and individual bronze medalist, Katie Zafiris. So in in the past couple of weeks, you've really shown that you can handle a variety of triathlon distances. How, how do you feel about the eliminator? Well, so I don't know yet. Like, you'll have to ask me that on Saturday
0: I think I'll, or Sunday, probably. That'll be better. Um, but I think some people have raced this format in Super League before. So I feel like I'm a little bit far behind, but it's different. I think it's different in the WTS races because in we have like so we have a prelim on Friday. And if you're top 10, you automatically qualify to the final. But if you don't, you have to race like a consolation race also on Friday. That's why it's up to five races. Cause if you, okay. if you miss the top 10, then the next, so then the 10 from that consolation race also qualify for the final. Um, so <laughs> it's like, try to pick your races. And so I don't know even strategy. Though, so we'll see. I still need to talk with my coach about this and kind of figure things out because someone was asking that like, so it was the goal to just like sandbag the first race in race, the consolation race like hard because if everyone else went hard in that race but we'll see we'll see tactics I mean it's kind of like the mixed team relay where every race you're like oh what are people's shoes what are people doing um and like different technology and hiding things so I don't know yet but we'll see It, it seems fun it seems different I don't even know the course very well I know it's flat um but it should be really interesting and exciting
2: I'm not sure I picture a race of athletes of your caliber like ever really sandbagging too much. So I have a feeling that that's not going to be the strategy people go with, but we will see and see how that goes. But I also know that I think you'll you'll pick up to it pretty good if uh, how you pick up to 70.3 racing is any indication. I don't think, you know, the new formats really shake you too much, but... Taylor, looking ahead to more long-term, can you tell us a little bit about your goals in the sport? We assume you'll be focused on the Olympic Games in Paris in 2024, which is only three years away now, but you kind of seem like you like to follow your own path and have some, you know, unexpected adventures. So is Paris the plan or do you have other ideas? Oh, no. Well, so first
0: of all, like, I always hope I'll still be in the sport. I actually got that question after I qualified the, for Tokyo. Someone's like, oh, are you planning to do the sport next year? I'm like, Yes, I am. I'm hoping I'm doing it for a long, long, long time. Um, <laughs> but like, even just like hearing that question, it's like, yes, like you just never know what happens, but yeah, that will be the aim after I erase the Collins cup. Um, my our high performance general manager told me that he would really, appro- he's like, oh, I'm very generous this year in approving races because he understands that races are few and far between and it's a unique situation. But like once the points start up, um short course racing for the points for Paris that is um short course racing will be back as the focus um and we'll see what happens the Americans are extremely strong I don't think the American women and men now the men are very impressive um but so it's hard to qualify for the team and so that's just the first
1: and foremost focus and then we'll see what happens if that's able to happen Well, Taylor, thank you so much for for chatting with us in the middle of your, you know, very extensive string of races. We are so excited to cheer for you this weekend in Montreal, next weekend in Edmonton, the weekend after that in Slovakia. Um, we hope you're getting some good frequent flyer miles, putting that jet lag, uh, you know, shock value to good use. Um, <laughs> listening to all of your mom's advice and getting all your meals and rest. It's it's so much fun. We're so glad you're in the sport for. And we, uh, yeah, you're only 23. I hope it's for like. I hope we have decades. Whoever asked that question, you're like, how old are you? But anyway, <laughs> thank you oh, so I got much. I to meet Meredith Kessler this weekend. Um, and
0: she was telling me, she's like, I could be your mom. And I'm like,
2: <laughs> That's such a Meredith thing to say. That's like, I can totally picture her saying that.
0: Which <laughs> <laughs> is exactly what you want to hear, I think. But thank you for so much for having me. And I hope I will be back sometime. But good luck to you too and your upcoming races.
2: The Iron Women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps and booties. You name it, they have it. The code ironwomen15 will get you 15% off. So head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Haley, I have to kind of, like, revamp what I said in the intro here, because after talking to Taylor, I'm actually getting a little stressed about starting a season of Survivor and starting season two of Ted Lasso, because we have a lot of racing still going on, and I don't want to be glued to my television, like, all the time this summer, so I... I don't know. I think those, those things might go on hold. People don't listen to my advice for that. Hopefully you listen all the way through and like keep that on hold. Cause we have a lot of race spectating with Taylor racing all over the world and just Paralympics coming up all these things on tap Ironman Finland's this weekend. We have a lot going on.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, even if you only watch the races, Taylor Nib in, you're going to be very busy the next couple weekends. So, um, yeah, there's, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down. So we will get our, our, our buzz from watching other people exercise, which is my favorite thing. Um, you know, second only lane to walking, <laughs> but, um, but uh, thank you. Big thanks to Taylor for sharing so much about her Olympic experience. And we wish her the best of luck in Montreal this weekend and in the many races coming after that. And Alyssa has been great to catch up with you. And I, I hope you enjoy those extra hours of sleep this week, but I will look forward to talking to you next week.
2: Bye Haley. Oh. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you
1: to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.